Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Come on, can we put our hands together? Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. Are you excited to be in church? Man. It feels, it feels incredible to be in the presence of God. There's nothing like worship, is there? I mean, it just does something to our hearts and our minds. I'm just, I'm honored to be here. I'm, I'm grateful to be here around people and not just the camera. I haven't seen people in five months, so this is a bit of a shock for me. But I love that even after five months of what felt like emptiness, to come back, look at it, the church is alive and well, isn't it? And church is strong, still loves Jesus, still passionate about Jesus. Any of those people in the room, I'm more passionate about Jesus today than ever before. If you're in the room, come on, take about 10 more seconds and give Jesus a shout. Hey, since we're standing, I want to take a second, I want to honor your pastors. They're, they're pretty amazing, man. It's pretty incredible. You know, I've, um, I've been preaching in the Hillsong world uh, for over 10 years. I've been to every, well, mostly every campus, New York, LA, all the ones in Australia and Africa, London, Paris. I heard this one was the best one, by the way. But all of it is, is the byproduct of, of great leaders. And I think first and foremost, we have to thank God for the gifts that Pastor Brian and Bobby Houston are to our world. Pretty amazing leaders, man. And they saw fit that, that your pastors could be a part of what God's doing and, and really smart choice. I mean, who wouldn't want a LeBron James on, on their team, right? Um, and you know what I always love about this moment? I love, I love church people and overly spiritual people, which is a great way of saying you're not spiritual, but you think you are, but that's another story. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Some of you are thinking like, man, he's direct. Queens, New York. Anyway, um, you know, in this moment, people get funny about it because you take time to honor people. And there's always someone here like, well, why are we honoring people? Isn't it about Jesus? Why aren't we shouting for Jesus and not people? It would be good of you to know that theology teaches us that when you make much of a man or a woman of God, you're actually coming into agreement with God's choice. And to agree with God's choice is to give praise to God. So when you honor your pastors, you're saying, God, I'm in alignment with what you've chosen for our city, for our church, for, for Kansas City, for the next 10 years and the 10 years beyond that. If you are grateful for the life and the ministry of Pastors Kyle and Liz, can you thank them right now? Come on, love you. Thank you for having me. All right, you can go on ahead and grab a seat. Worship team, I'm gonna get you back up here in a little bit. But exciting days, exciting times. I, I, I got a word. I got a word and I am ready to preach it and I haven't seen people, so I might, I might be doing a little bit of extra stuff at this point, okay? But don't, don't judge me on it. It's just, it's just excitement. But before I, before I dive in, I, I wanna take a second and just set you up here because 10 years, 10 years, 
You know, like next week when we're, we're celebrating 10 years, there's a whole lot of history behind those 10 years. And now including add a global pandemic. And guess what? We made it through and we're going to keep on going, which means that we could take on anything else that the next coming years have to throw our way. And I say all that to say, I'm going to be preaching a word in a few moments and I know it's for you. Tonight, I'm going to be preaching a different message at the 6 p.m. over at Plaza. And I don't always do this. I don't always say things like this, but I really believe that God has given me a word for so many of you when it comes to your purpose and you've been battling with purpose and you've been dealing with doubt and insecurity and anxiety. God wants to use you for the next 10 years and the next 20 years and 30 years. Can I ask you to get there tonight? Because tonight we're going to preach and I'm going to pray. Today I'm going to, right now I'm going to preach, but I'm also going to teach. I'm, I'm going to preach. But, but tonight I'm going to, I'm going to totally turn it all the way up and, and we're going to go for it. It's, it's going to be a little bit different. So if you can get there tonight, trust me, trust me. It's, it's not just to have a full, a full room, but it's really for you. So I wanted to say that and I want you to turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. And as you're finding it, as you're finding 2 Timothy chapter 2, most of you are like, find it. It'll be on the screen. Um, a little bit about me. Uh, my, my name is Chris. I am born and raised Queens, New York. You could probably tell by now that I'm pretty honest. I preach this way. I am okay with you responding to my messages while I preach. I'm also okay with you not responding to my messages. I'm still going to preach it how I preach it. Why? Because Queens, New York. And I have a beautiful family. I got a picture I want to show you. You could see him and meet him. That's my beautiful wife, Jairus. She is German and Colombian. I know what you're thinking. That's strong leadership roots right there. And then I got my son, Dylan, who's 13 years old, and my baby girl, Chloe, who was rocking a bucket hat before they came back in. I'm very proud of her for that. You know, trend setter, and she's 10 years old, and that's my family, and they wanted me to send you their love. And I'm just so happy to be here with you all. Started leading a church, my wife and I, my family, just in January. The church I grew up in, the church that my parents started, 34 years old at the time. My wife and I took it on. It was called Christ Tabernacle then, and we renamed it to Saints Church. And I'm here saying I'm only a couple of months in. So while I'm here preaching to you, I'm trying to learn everything from Pastor Kyle as much as possible so I could go back and apply it. I, I love when people come to me with like leadership questions now. I'm like, bro, I, I'm not even a year in, okay? I talk to you about preaching, but leadership, not there yet. But man, I want you to... I want you to set your heart. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Here's what I believe that God wants us to hold on to, especially in, in this season. I'm gonna read to you from King James, King James Version, one verse, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Hopefully you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, take notes. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Simple. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show thyself approved unto God. I'm going to take the next few moments, and I want to preach to you from this idea. Student versus scavenger. 
you're taking notes, go on ahead, write that down. Student versus scavenger. You can't have a sermon titled student versus scavenger and not take notes. Student (laughs) versus scavenger. Here we are in September. And I don't know about you, but I am happy to send my kids back to school. I I release them to school. Just show me where to drop them off. I am dropping them off. And what I found amazing is that my children who have been home since March gladly went back to school. They, They went back to school joyfully, which lets me know they're as sick as me as I am of them. The funny part is, though, my daughter Chloe went back to school last week, and she was pumped. She was excited. She was ready to go. I couldn't help but remind her of only two years ago when she first started this school. She didn't go the same way she did last week. See, two years ago, we moved into a brand new neighborhood. So on that September 2018, my children were not only starting a new grade, but they were starting a new school. A new grade, new school, equally terrifying. And I could tell that as I was driving my children to school that they were terrified, that they were worried. It wasn't really anything that they did, but I'm a good, good father, okay? I could sense it. They weren't too happy about it. Maybe it's because my my baby girl was screaming from the back seat, Dad, don't send me to that hellhole. It was then, you know, I thought, I don't think she's happy about this. I said, Chloe, what's what's the matter? She said, Dad, what if they don't like me? What if I don't know where to go? What if the teachers are mean? Where am I going to sit in the lunchroom? What if they don't have bathrooms? You know, (laughs) my heart's breaking for my daughter in this moment. As a parent, any parents in the room, you could totally understand. Even though when you know your children are being illogical, you, you love them beyond their illogical behavior and you want to help them and you want to figure things out for them. So in that moment, I'm, I'm driving her. My heart is breaking that my girl is, is crying. I'm trying to figure out what could I do for her that will, will help her. I'm trying to process, like, how could I go into the school for her and introduce her to all her friends? How could I get up in front of the class and say her name and, and where she comes from? How do I figure out the whole lunchroom feed? fiasco how do I figure all that out but how many of you know that if I were to do any of that two things would happen one I'd be arrested (laughs) two I'd rob her of the experience of life so I say to my daughter Chloe don't you want to graduate She's a bit of an overachiever, so I thought I'd speak to her pride. She says, and I quote, yeah, dad, duh. Of course I want to graduate. I just don't want to go to school. I say, Chloe, you are preaching right now. Because if there was ever a statement that summed up this world right now, it is that statement right there. We have a whole lot of people that want to receive accolades, but not enough people that are willing to put in the work. We have a whole lot of people that want to walk across stages and receive diplomas, but not enough people that are willing to put in the work that it takes in order to receive that diploma. We have a whole lot of people that want to be considered teachers' pets, but not enough people that want to spend time with the teacher. Now we're talking about church. 
Now we're talking about our Christianity. If it's your first time at church and you don't consider yourself a Christian, excuse us as we have family conversation. You're more than, you're more than welcome to listen. But can I talk to the believer in the room? The one that wants more of God. You, you sing the songs that you sing with passion, but can I tell you that those songs that we sing are supposed to motivate us beyond the song and make those songs our lifestyle. See, when I think of this world that we live in, it is so easy to crop out work and put filters on things and make things look good. And we live in this world where perception is reality. And, and as a result, entitlement creeps up and people believe they deserve something because they like something on social media. They, they don't necessarily put in the work, but they think that it belongs to them because they want it. See, I've learned that in life within the church, there are two groups of people. There are the students, and then there are the scavengers. There are the students, and then there are the scavengers. And, and both of them look the same. They, they dress the same. They, they worship like one another. They sit amongst one another. They're in the same small groups. They, they hang out amongst one another. But you know where you're able to tell who is who? Not in service, but in life. See, I want to give you two definitions right now. I want you to write this down. Let me give you the definition of the scavenger. Then I'll give you the definition of the student. Definition of a scavenger. Someone who is desperate to collect words from any source they can find. Someone who is desperate to collect words. You, you know what I mean when I say words? Someone that is desperate for someone else to speak into their life and tell them what they should be doing in hopes that somebody else can give them the answer. Then they're the, the students. Student is someone who is able to remember and apply scripture when necessary. Study to show thyself approved. I'm going to take the next few moments and I want to give you three truths of the scavenger and three truths of the student. Three truths of the scavenger and three truths of the student. Now, if you don't consider yourself a scavenger, I love it. But let me encourage you to still write it down because here's what I know. We all have scavenger-like tendencies. Truth number one of the scavenger. Scavengers search but skip the source. Scavengers search but skip the source. Scavengers search but skip the source. A few years ago, I'm preaching in Dublin, Ireland. It was in this moment where God gave me this work. As I was preaching in Dublin, Ireland, I was the only speaker for this conference. The conference was about three days long. Typically, when you travel overseas, they work you. They get every sermon that you possibly have on the inside of you. When you travel within the States, they let you come in, preach one sermon, preach another sermon. That's it. They send you home. But when you get a passport and you fly over waters, they're like, we brought you here. We're getting everything you got. I preach a thousand times. A whole lot. After I'm done preaching, my last message, this young lady walks up to me. It's a true story. She goes, Pastor Chris, finally. I go, I'm sorry? She goes, finally. I've been trying to get to you. You have a word for me. And I go, I do? <laughs> I'm thinking, is any different from the thousand I just preached? Or, you know? <laughs> she goes, no, Pastor Chris, you, you, you don't get it. 
I said, I don't. She goes, last week you were in Dallas and I was there and I tried to get to you, but then, but then you left, so now I'm here. You went from Dallas to Dublin to get a word from me? She says, yeah, no. And I'm like, huh? She goes, I'm from New York. I'm from New York. She says, I go to your church. I was so mad in that moment. Pastor Carl, I was like, she's one of mine. You know what I mean? Like. This young lady went from New York to Dallas, Dallas back to New York, got her a passport, flew to Dublin so that she could get a word from me. Now you could hear that and go, wow, that's endearing. Look at her tenacity and her persistence. She, she wanted a word from God and you could over-spiritualize that all you want, but anyone that knows the word understands that that young lady did not need to fly halfway around the world to get a word from me. She could have walked across her bedroom, opened up her Bible and said, speak Lord, your servant is listening. We live in a world. We live in a day and age where everybody is looking for somebody else to do it for them and listen we have a we have a church culture that has happened in our world because of all the good things that have been added to the church but it's actually taken away the relationship that we're supposed to have with God here's what I mean we have believers that are living off of 60 second sermon clips and conferences and retreats and books and live streams in this day and age I could go to church in Kansas City I could live stream New York I could end up in Tulsa. I could watch over in Australia. And I don't actually have a home, but I'm watching everyone else's. Can I tell you that there's nothing wrong with a 60-second sermon clip? There's nothing wrong with a book. There's nothing wrong with a conference. There's nothing wrong with a retreat. All of those things, though, were made to complement your relationship with God. Not substitute your relationship with God. Friends, you serve a God that is dying. You serve a God that died to speak to you. He tore the veil so that you could get direct access to him. I think it is kind and endearing that somebody would tell me that they love my preaching and they listen to me all the time. But let's be honest. I can't preach the word like the word. Nobody talks the word like the word of God. There is no one that compares with our God. This is the same God that when he talks, orbits come out of his mouth. He says, sun go there, moon go there. He allows you to spend time with him and open up his word and he promises to speak to you and yet we're fighting with that time we're not making time to spend with him because we rather listen to somebody else why would you settle for secondhand revelation when you could get it from the source we have the students and we have the scavengers let me let me give you truth number two of the scavenger truth number two of the scavenger is scavengers don't let the spirit settle in them Scavengers don't let the Spirit settle in them. They don't let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, settle in them. 
This is important to note because so many people love to talk about God the Father. They love to celebrate Jesus the Son. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, they back up a little bit because of some bad church experience. Because of some weird Christian television that they saw somewhere. Never on Hillsong Channel, but the other ones, you know? <laughs> and as a result, we have this mindset that the Holy Spirit's weird. But friends, the Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. The Holy Spirit is perfect. In fact, let me point this out to you. Jesus did ministry for three and a half years and then left. When he left, he sent the Holy Spirit who has been here ever since. It is a great plan and ploy of the enemy to keep the believer from thinking that they could do life within God without the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit is the one that God entrusted us to listen to and be filled with. It is the Holy Spirit that fills me and deciphers on the inside of me and tells me what I should be doing and what I shouldn't be doing. You could pray to God and you could pray to Jesus, but if you talk bad about the Holy Spirit, you're not in the best place with God because the Three are one. I'm married. You can't be good with me and have an issue with my wife. You can't have an issue with my children, talk bad about my children, and think me and you are going to be good. How much more so with the Holy Spirit? The Father sent the Holy Spirit to fill us and to lead us. Truth number three. Is this helping anyone? Yeah. Truth number three of scavenger. Scavengers drown in the storm. They talk a good game, but then the moment life happens, they lose. They over-spiritualize everything. They change their Instagram name to Jesus Lover 24-7. <laughs> but then the moment life hits, something doesn't go the way that they planned it. Something doesn't go the way that they wanted it. And now all of a sudden, they're out because they never built a foundation. They knew how to talk about a foundation, but there's a great difference between talking about a foundation and establishing a foundation. I, I wanted to purchase a building across the street from our church, and it was beautiful, and we're in Queens, New York, and we own a few properties, but, but to be able to get this building would have allowed us to do a cafe and, and just add something to our neighborhood that our neighborhood so desperately needs. Well, I had a contractor come look and an inspector come look. You know what they told me? They said, I know you love the location, but if this building were to catch fire, it would be down in seven minutes. That's how poorly it was made. It could look good, but it's not good. Our Christianity is not predicated of perception. It is us in constant pursuit of God and allowing God to be in constant pursuit of us and receiving everything it is that he has for us. Let me give you truth number one of the student. Truth number one of the student. Students study. That's simple. Students study the word. Why do students study the word? Students study the word because they know that a test could happen at any moment. The Bible encourages us and instructs us to be ready when? In season and 
out of season in season and out of season the bible warns us that the enemy roams around like a roaring lion looking to devour us and guess what he doesn't operate on a nine to five schedule he operates on a 24 7 schedule he's looking for the most opportune time to take you out but here is the beauty of studying the word of god when you study the word of god that word gets on the inside of you and here's what happened when life happens you're able to apply that that scripture to that moment when the Bible says study to show thyself approved it's not because one day you're gonna stand before God and he's gonna ask you how many scriptures have you memorized you know that's not gonna happen well I got ten last guy had eight it's not about that it's about being able to remember the scripture read the scripture and apply the scripture because when the enemy comes at you you go oh no there's a scripture for that when he tries to distract you, you go, oh, no, no, there, there's a scripture for that. I know exactly what I need to do. I, I know exactly what I need to say in this moment. Students study the word. What does your private time look like? What does your prayer life look like? Are you, are you only opening up the Bible on a Sunday? Or is this a part of how you live? And maybe you've not grown up in church and you don't know how it goes. That's okay. We have small groups. We have team here that would love to help you. But can I tell you that you serve a God that wants to speak directly to you? Truth number two of the student. Students allow the word to study them. Man. Do you know that when you're reading this book, it's the only book where the author is always present? The Bible says that this word is alive and well. That when you open up this word, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you and instruct you and show you things in the word that you never realized were there. That's what the word revelation means. It doesn't mean discovering something brand new. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. It's always been there. But what revelation is, is understanding something truly for the first time. And that's a moment that you get. Maybe you've read John 3:16 a thousand times, but then you read a thousand and one and all of a sudden it hits you something different because you didn't realize the tone before and you didn't realize the context before and all of a sudden you start to fall in love with this God because you realize how much this God actually loves you that he gave his only begotten son and it begins to hit you something different you have to allow the word to study you that's why the Bible is full of this these road bumps with the word Selah the word Selah literally translates to pause and consider this in other words, don't keep on reading. I know you want to finish the chapter so you can put it on Instagram story. I know you want to finish the chapter so that you could say you did your Bible reading for the day, but I don't need you to read a whole chapter. There's more than enough in one verse that will bless you and carry you and speak to you. And can I tell you something? It's your fault. It is. Because you prayed the prayer, God, make me to the man you want me to be. Make me to the woman you want me to be. So what happens is when you open up the word and you can't get past a certain verse because the Holy Spirit is messing with you and dealing with you, that's not where you move on. That's where God starts to work and do what it is that you asked him to do. See, us talking to God isn't just getting from God what we want from him, but we pause and allow God to speak back so that he can get from us what he wants from us. Students study the word. Students allow the word to study them, point three. 
students are able to stand in the storm. Maybe you've, you've read this story before, or maybe you've heard someone else read it. It's kind of funny. Matthew 4 verse 3 says this. Now when the tempter came to him, this is important because understand that Jesus was just baptized. Then the Bible says that the spirit led him to the wilderness and now Satan starts to tempt Jesus. So now when Satan came to Jesus, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. First and foremost, let's just go to that first line right there. If you are the son of God, can I tell you that the enemy's tactic is to cause you to question your identity? You'll know who you are until he asks you multiple times because anytime someone asks you questions, the same question over and over, they'll get you to second guess whether you really knew the answer or not, right? There are times you're in the car, I, I think about me driving and someone says, hey, do you know where you're going? Or, I know exactly where I'm going. And then they say, are you sure? All of a sudden I'm like, well, I thought I was. <laughs> Until you ask me that again, I don't know. Do you know a better way? Do you know where we're supposed to be going? This is what the enemy does. If you are the son of God, he's talking to Jesus. He lived in heaven at one point, so he knows exactly who Jesus is, but he knows that Jesus is operating in his 100% humanity in this moment. So what, is, what we're seeing here is what the enemy does in his tactics when he wants to get us off of our game or when he wants to get us to miss the mark. There's a proper mark and and then there we could miss the mark. That's literally the definition of sin, by the way. To sin is simply to miss the mark, is simply to make the wrong decision because there was a right decision. If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But look at Jesus. Here we get the greatest clap back in history. He says, it is written. Man, I want you to underline that right now in your Bible if you can. I want you to write that down. It is written. Think about this. It's Jesus. It would be fair to say that whatever he proceeded to say in this moment would be considered scripture. Fair? It would be considered Bible. Whatever he said. He could have said whatever he wanted. But notice, he doesn't say a new thing. He says an old thing. He's showing you in this moment how you're to respond to the enemy. So many of you keep missing the mark. So many of you keep getting caught up in temptation because you don't know what to say. And the saddest part about that is that you have a book in front of you that gives you everything that you need to say and in every way that you need to respond. And you think, well, that's some old book and some ancient book. I need a new thing. You don't need a new thing. You need the thing that was already said because God's word is timeless. In other words, it is the same yesterday, today, and forever and let me encourage you right now the bible also says that the enemy that when he talks his native tongue is lie in other words every time he speaks it's a lie so when he's talking to you and he's trying to get you to question your identity you could bank off the fact that the opposite is true that so when he says you're gonna fail that's when you should start to worship because you know you're about to win when he says you're not gonna get healed that's when you should start praising god because you know that healing is yours when the enemy says to you that you're never gonna make it you say I read the end of the book and guess what we win we win 
we win. Why? Because it is it's written. A few years ago, I had written my second book. And I'm emphasizing that it was my second book because the fact that I wrote any book was a miracle. I grew up with a learning disability. I hardly read growing up. And here I am in my office a week before release date holding an advanced copy of my book sent by my publisher earlier that day. As I'm standing in my office, I'm marveling over the fact that God would use somebody like me. As I'm having this moment, I'm praising God. I know that I'm not that smart. All of a sudden, there's a on the door. I hear a knock, and then the door opens. Which side note? If you're gonna knock, wait for the come in. A friend knocks, comes in, right away, completely missing out on what's happening in that moment. Starts to tell me about a girl he's dating. Bro, you gotta meet this girl. Oh my goodness. Frustrated. I don't even want to turn my body towards him, trying to give him a hint. So I kind of do one of these. <laughs> wow, bro. He goes, bro. bro. Oh, 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 my bad. Is that your new book? I go, yeah, yeah, I just got it. And I'm looking at it by myself, you know. He goes, bro, I got the best idea. I go, what? He goes, give me that book so I can give it to this girl. I'm like, wow, what a great idea. So now I give it to him so I can get rid of him. Takes the book and he goes, nah, man, you got to sign it. Take the book back. <laughs> he opens it, looks at it. He goes, that's it? I go, what do you mean? Because Brock told you I really like this girl. Give her a word. I don't know her. Besides, I wrote the book. You, know? you want a word? Here's over 200 pages of my word. Here you go. You know. I find that we live in a day and age where we walk around with the source. It's as easy as being as a free app on our phone with every translation possible. And yet we're walking around frustrated because we want another word. We're, we're frustrated because we didn't get to speak to Pastor Kyle because Pastor Kyle was supposed to give you a word. We didn't get the opportunity to speak to Pastor Liz. Pastor Liz was supposed to give us a word. We didn't get a chance to speak to Pastor Chris after the service. I really wanted a word. And you know what it just felt like to say to the person that came in here thinking that they needed a word or deserved a word? Let me help you right now. Let me, let me just give you a word real quick. What kind of word do you need? You need, you need a word on self-worth? Cool. Here's 1 John 3, 1. The Father has loved us so much that we are called children of God, and we really are His children. The reason the people in the world do not know us is that they do not know Him. Or what about Ephesians 2.10? For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Oh, you want a word on grace? Let me give you a grace word. Ephesians 1.7 In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the 
riches of God's grace. Or what about 2 Corinthians 12, 9? But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Oh, you need a mercy word? Here's a mercy word. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, that even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Or what about God's direction? Psalm 23, verse 2. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Oh, you need forgiveness? You're struggling with forgiveness? Here's a forgiveness word. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of unrighteousness. Or how about an Old Testament word on forgiveness? Psalm 51, verse 7. Purge me and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Or for the one that's brokenhearted. Psalm 147, verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Or the one that's dealing with fear. Isaiah 41, 10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. You're tired? Matthew 11, 28. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. For the one that's dealing with trials and with, with understanding who you are in God. Romans 8.37 says this. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Or maybe you're dealing with shame and you wonder if God really loves you. Well, if you stopped reading too soon, keep on reading. Because Paul writes, for I am convinced, not that I assume, not that I hope, not that it's a 50-50 chance. But for I am convinced that there's nothing in all this world neither height nor depth, angel nor demon, past nor present can separate me from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. You need a word? How about this word? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he came down to earth. He put on human flesh. He was on earth for 33 years. They crucified him but three days later he rose again and he's now seated at the right hand side of the father and at the mention of this word at the confession of this word demons have to flee healing has to happen and salvation comes if you have been saved by this word and are grateful for this word with everything you got lift up your hands open up your mouths and give king jesus your best